This is a Radio.com original. This is Coronavirus Daily World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson. The vaccines are coming. When they get to a doctor's office near you, how do doctors get people to take them? Will the trust be there? And speaking of vaccines, how much will they cost? Maybe the first time will be free, but what about the next round and the one after that? Millions of Americans sticking with those Thanksgiving travel plans and celebration plans. So why are they so determined to have a normal holiday despite the pleas from the health officials? And Black Friday will look a lot different because of the pandemic. What can shoppers expect, both online and in actual stores? And if you travel here to L.A., get ready to sign on the dotted line. The COVID-19 vaccines, they're coming, but it doesn't mean everyone will be lining up to get them. There are concerns that some have about side effects and whether they'll really be effective, even though the drug makers say they do, in fact, work. So how do you build the public trust? With us is Deborah Fuller, microbiologist at the University of Washington, a vaccine developer, and Dr. Robert Frank, director of Cincinnati Children's Hospital's Vaccine Research Center, also been helping with Pfizer's final clinical trial for its candidate. So how significant are the side effects from these vaccines, and should we be concerned? Well, so far, the side effects have really been fairly minimal and that the uh, we grade them on grade one, two and three. And really, the only grade three effects we've seen have been uh, fatigue and headache. And even those have been lasting a day or two. So for those couple of days, you may feel a little bit bad. But on the whole, the benefit really is far outweighed the risk. All right. So, Dr. Fuller, let's take it at stage two or three, as the other doctor was mentioning. What if that happens to more people because the small the trial is smaller than, you know, the country at large? How do you tell people that, what, you've got to suck it up for an afternoon or two? You're going to be okay? I think that it's really important to be absolutely transparent about the potential side effects of any vaccine. Uh, This is the case with all of the vaccines that we're currently getting to be up front and say, hey, you know, you could possibly feel this. Um, But it's very important also to to make sure that people understand the, the benefit, the substantial benefit you get from a little bit of risk of just kind of feeling bad for a little bit that, impact that could have on our lives and in shutting down this pandemic is enormous. Dr. Frank, is there a way for people to predict beforehand how they are likely to respond to a a COVID vaccine or any vaccine for that matter? Why do some people get minimal to no effects and some, like I said, get a fever and they feel awful for a day or two? Those are great questions we really don't know the answer to, but it's probably is that some people are just stimulating a little bit more of these things that are called cytokines that are released, and those are the things that make you feel achy and having the fever, um, and they're pretty short-lived. Do we know if this is dose one or dose two? You get it both times. Is it easier the second go-round? No, unfortunately, if people get symptoms, they tend to get a little bit worse the second time. What have you been seeing on, on your end of the Pfizer trial in terms of what, what rough percentage of people who actually got the Well, you don't know who got the vaccine and who got the placebo, right? Right. All we know as far as the number of people total. And so I can tell you is that no one has missed work yet. And we've actually been now uh, going down into uh, teenagers down as low as 12 years of age. And um, they've tolerated things uh, well, um, at just like my colleague was saying, having some symptoms for a day or two. But the benefit we really think far outweighs the risk. Dr. Fuller, I guess you can tell people, you know, if you feel really bad, be poised, warn your boss, maybe I have to take a sick day if I got to lay out on the couch for an afternoon. What about the healthcare workers, though? I imagine you want to do this in shifts so you don't have everybody feeling bad on the same day if indeed they do see the side effects. 
Yeah, that would be a really great uh, strategy to be able to kind of roll that out. I, I would like to add that, you know, in, in our laboratory, when we actually test these, these uh, vaccines initially in, in preclinical studies, we can uh, interrogate a little bit closely what uh, correlates with that reactogenicity. And one of the positive things is, is that when you see a little bit of a reactogenicity, that's actually a positive sign that your vaccine is working. So, you know, that can, you know, be also, uh, you know, another um you know, thing that I think that people need to understand that that just tells you that the vaccine is actually working. It's stimulating immune response, and that's that's how we feel it. It is. Uh, I I would presume that I mean some of these shots are two, like the Pfizer and Moderna ones. Some of them are are a single shot because of the concern of side effects. Uh, I would gather, Doctor Frank, that that uh, it's going to be an easier sell. And again, I know you're doing the Pfizer one, but still, it would be an easier sell, would it not, to a patient if it's a single one time and you're done. Sure. Anytime you can use a vaccine that's less doses, that'd be easier. But even the one that's a single dose, they're now doing a two-dose study. They're just wanting to make sure that the two-dose doesn't uh, work better than the one. All right. Dr. Fuller, let's uh, end with you. Any trepidation that people are going to, say from you know anti-vax people, are going to not end up getting this? I mean, or, or once your neighbor gets it, or your coworkers or your boss, and then people start moving, it's like, okay, I'll get in line as well. I think that's the hope that you're, you you will always have the front runners there, the people who are, are you know uh, bold and, and ready to take to take it on. And what we're hoping is that as more and more people start to uh, take the vaccine, that will send a message to others that hey, this is safe, this is fine, this is getting us back to normal, and that will encourage other people to to follow suit. Deborah Fuller, microbiologist, at University of Washington, and uh, Robert Frank, director of Cincinnati Children's Hospital's Vaccine Research Center. With the COVID-19 vaccines quickly arriving, one of the big questions is how much they will cost people. Will insurance companies cover the cost? And what about the federal government? If the vaccines are free the first time around, what about the second and third time? There's vaccines. There's also the treatments for people. With us now, Karen Schwartz, senior fellow with the Kaiser Family Foundation, former vice president at Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America. So, Karen, let's just start with the first vaccine, the one we're all waiting for. That one, at least, not going to cost anything, right? That's exactly right. The federal government has already paid for hundreds of millions of dollars of or hundreds of millions of vaccine doses uh, that will be distributed through state and local governments. And so when people go to get those vaccines, they won't have to pay anything for the vaccines themselves and neither will their insurance companies. Ah, but there's a potential caveat here because I remember (laughs) that was the same basic line with uh, testing for COVID uh, that, oh, you know, you're not going to have to pay for it. The government's going to do that. But then people started getting these surprise bills in the mail, sometimes for a couple of thousand dollars, because while the test was free, there were a whole bunch of other things that were added on that weren't. You know, that's exactly right. We did see some challenges around the testing. And I think the government has learned from that and tried to close a lot of those loopholes for the vaccine. So we saw um, the government recently released a new rule that said that even if you go to a pharmacy that might not be in your network or go to some other location that's typically not covered by your insurance company, uh, that that location you know, even though they are allowed to charge a small amount for uh, just the cost of storing the vaccine, having a trained person there to give it to you, they can't, they'll be limited in what they can charge and the insurance would have to pay the full cost. 
And for people who don't have insurance coverage, the government would pick up the cost. This is why all the bills you get are like two pages long with all the Excel spreadsheets in there, because here's the cost <laughs> of the vaccine, right? And here's the uh, vial it was in. And then here's the administration, <laughs> the actual poke in the arm. That's another that's another fee. Um, if this becomes something, and it might, where you have to get it every year, like the flu shot, what happens then? That's a great question. So, you know, the government has, as I said, already purchased hundreds of millions of doses uh, and in some cases has the option to purchase even more. But, you know, eventually if this becomes an annual vaccine, we anticipate it would be covered through traditional insurance the way, say, the flu vaccine or other recommended vaccines are today. And at that point, you know, it would the cost would really depend on uh, what your what kind of insurance you have. Uh, as well as, you know, the, you know, how much at that point manufacturers are charging for the vaccine. Okay, so that, so let's put uh, for a moment anyway vaccines sort of on the shelf, and let's talk a little bit about therapeutics that are increasingly becoming available to help treat people who get seriously ill with COVID, uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, uh, you know, very expensive in some cases, uh, uh, antivirals. Who picks up that cost? So the cost of those new drugs from Eli Lilly and Regeneron, including the drug that President Trump received, uh, the federal government, again, through the same program uh, as was used for vaccines, has already purchased 300,000 doses of those medicines that are then going to be distributed at the cost of about $1,000 a dose. So the government has paid for that, but there will those have to be uh, given through an IV so, you know, again, as with many things in our healthcare system, you know, it can get a little complicated and there'll be costs just for getting that IV that then insurance would pick up. Do you worry about long term costs for I mean, I was, you know, 60 minutes and we talk about them here, the long the long haulers. Right. Could this turn into something with more and more people having problems that are covid related for years and years? They're going to have to to deal with medical appointments that are ongoing for for who knows how long. And that's a strain on them, and that's a strain on the system. Yeah, I think that is a real concern. I mean, we don't know, obviously, how long those long callers will face these healthcare challenges. You know, we do know that the Supreme Court is now considering a case related to the Affordable Care Act, and were the Affordable Care Act to be overturned, you know, we would anticipate that being a COVID long hauler or just having had COVID-19 could be considered a pre-existing condition and a lot of the safeguards in the Affordable Care Act in terms of making sure that insurance really is comprehensive will be really important to those long haulers to make sure they can get the care that they need. Okay, so now to circle back to vaccines, what are some sort of quick tips that perhaps you can give listeners when the day comes and we're told it may not be that far long from now? when vaccines are going to be available, what should they know going into it so they don't get ripped off? You know, I think, as I said, there will be a lot of safeguards so that people won't be, won't face costs. But certainly if, if you're going to get a vaccine and you're asked to pay anything out of pocket, you know, the providers are not supposed to be asking for uh, costs out of pocket. So I would definitely push back, uh, Certainly, you can provide your insurance information, but folks who are uninsured should know that they can get the vaccines as well for free, and the government will be paying uh, any costs needed 
for administering that vaccine. All right, Karen Schwartz there, senior fellow with the Kaiser Family Foundation, former vice president at Pharmaceutical Research Manufacturers of America. We all pretty much know how the virus spreads now. It's mostly through close contact with others indoors, and that means private and small gatherings. But people are still hosting them. Others refuse to follow other public health protocols. But why? What is the the psychology behind this? Mo Gelbart is a clinical psychologist, a behavioral health director at Torrance Memorial Medical Center in Southern California. So, Mo, is this pandemic fatigue? Is it people not liking the rules themselves or just not thinking what they do might be dangerous? Well, I think you have touched on most of it. You know, yes, I think we're all experiencing COVID fatigue. And, you know, with that comes ways in which we begin to rationalize uh, our behavior. You know, there's something, for example, called confirmation bias, which is when we believe something, we then seek through the uh, environment and the universe and the world of facts to find only those things which will justify our own thoughts and feelings. So I think people want to do what they want to do and then begin finding rationalizations and reasons to, to go down that road. Uh, the other issue, I think, is trust. You know, people, some people do not trust science, do not trust the facts, and especially when those facts speak, you know, in spite of the things that they really want to do. So as a result, we're seeing an awful lot of what I think is uh, clearly dangerous behavior. And, uh, but again, I think people begin to feel vul- invulnerable and feel, well, this will not affect me. Well, you know, when, when you, you say, and I think you're absolutely right, that some people, they don't trust science, they don't trust facts, uh, when you're ticking off all the different reasons why people uh, don't do all the stuff that they should be doing for this, I mean, one of them, frankly, is, I mean, some people are just dumber than they used to be, don't you think? Well, I, I think, I won't go that far. You know, I, I will say some people just do not want to see the truth, especially when it makes them not able to do the things they want to do. And, you know, and maybe a good chunk, which I also is hard to look at, but is the whole political environment and, that we're in, and there's a good percentage of people who will just, you know, follow the, the, uh, the you know, what, what someone is telling them to do, and regardless of what the facts and the science tell us. What about... I mean, most people, like, tighten when they perceive a threat, right? That's natural. That's what you're supposed to do. There are very few, like, Conan the Barbarians out there. They're going to just run right headfirst into danger. But did maybe, if I'm in my bubble, or my friends aren't worried, or my parents aren't worried, or my governor isn't worried, or my mayor, or whatever it is, if I didn't get the threat signal, then I'm not going to be worried, right? Well, that's part of it. You know, but also, even though we're not, as you say, Conan the Barbarian, what we do instead is we, again, rationalize and think, this is not going to happen to me. And we go through all the iterations and very false, especially amongst this pandemic, we begin to believe, well, these are our friends. They're, not, they're healthy people. They work out. They're in good shape. These are my family. I know that they're not sick. And, there's all, you know, and, and what we be, fail to do is understand the nature of this virus, as the scientists tell us it is, which does not... Uh, you know, it doesn't stop at any of these thoughts and barriers. So, but, yeah, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure that that uh, a lot of people go through all that uh, complicated thought process in deciding whether they're going to follow the rules. I think a lot of people, for example, that don't wear masks, I think it's just because they don't want to. Period. Well, 
the masks, I agree, it's a different thing. But, you know, the things that I was describing sounds complex. It's sort of what's under the tip of the iceberg, and you're absolutely right. People do not consciously think of those things, and if they did, they might change their behavior. But these are the, the sort of psychological principles that are tugging on them when they're making these decisions. The, the mask thing is, you know, a big part of this, and, you know, I think that's quite honestly mostly political. You know, it's the uniform of the day. People on one side wear a mask and people on the other side don't. Mo Gilbart, clinical psychologist, behavioral health director, Torrance Memorial Medical Center. Mo, thanks. Usually in a normal year, lots of people would be making their Black Friday plans just about now, when to line up, which stores to hit, those type of things. But not so much this year because of the pandemic. The transitional start to the holiday shopping season, yeah, it's going to look different. Stores figure to be much less crowded. What kind of deals can we still expect, though? With us is Bert Flickinger, retail analyst, managing director of the Strategic Resource Group. So, Bert, uh, what is Black Friday, the day or the week, going to look like in the middle of all this? Uh, Mike and Charles, as you referenced uh, with COVID, your listeners and family and friends uh, will be spending more online on Thursday, uh, Thanksgiving Day, uh, than they will in the stores on Black Friday. And, in fact, listeners will be spending uh, more online on Cyber Monday than they will on Black Friday. So you're you're looking at uh, U.S. sales uh, for Black Friday being less than uh, $10 billion and uh, C- Cyber Monday being about $12 billion. But uh, I'm guessing that not all stores are, are as good as other stores when it comes to handling online orders. So are there going to be winners and losers in this? Great question. And yes, there are going to be uh, winners. Uh, Costco, which actually has a uh, very limited Costco.com business, uh, will, will be, will be uh, the, the big winner. Uh, Walmart uh, will be another big winner as long as as well as uh, Best Buy and Fry's Electronics and the food retailers. Uh, uh, Winco, the Kroger companies, Ralph's Food for Less, uh, Vons, uh, Stater, uh, Albertsons. Uh, the biggest increases uh, will be in food retail and with record pet adoption and uh, uh, pet food, pet supplies, pet toys and uh, pet treats will be the fastest growing category, too. How do you think the stores have been handling like the messaging? Because you've seen some of it. And it's like, hey, you know, you can come out on Black Friday. We'll be here. But just, you know, don't all come at once or plan <laughs> this out or then, you know, or consider online. Look, we already have deals up for you right now. A uh, per- perfect, perfect way you framed it in that, uh, yes, the stores will be open. Uh, the elderly and the seniors will get first shot, uh, which which is good. And uh, but instead of being a four day Black Friday sales weekend uh, starting on Thanksgiving night, it's been a 40 day uh, Black Friday uh, from uh, re- uh, really uh, Columbus Day uh, through Black Friday weekend. So it's been 40 days of sales. And consumers are getting great bargains both online, uh, both uh, buy online, uh, pick up in store, pick up in curb, or uh, shopping in the stores. And uh, one of the things, Mike and Charles, that we've, we found uh, per- particularly heartening for my alma mater, PricewaterhouseCoopers, is that the biggest increase in store-based shopping will actually be small business Saturday. Uh, where millennials and uh, other customers expect, expect to spend 54% more on Small Business Saturday than they or increase their spending on Small Business Saturday than they did in 2019. 
But, you know, to go back to um, online shopping, we, we sometimes make the mistake, I think, of presuming that everybody is online and everybody knows how to navigate things online. But there are some people who don't. So are they, you know, what do they do? They, that's a very important point uh, you're, you're, you're bringing up. It's affirmed by uh, the teachers and parents, and up to 40% of uh, people uh, don't have uh, computers, iPhones, tablets. So what they really um, uh, rely on is the store circulars in, in the Los Angeles Times, San Diego uh, Union Tribune, et cetera, uh, to get the ads that are posted in store and uh, shop the traditional way of uh, deep discounts and price and promotional programs uh, because because as uh, teachers throughout uh, the 10 county Southern California and statewide California region have affirmed, uh, there there really is uh, low Internet access in terms of Internet-capable devices, whether it's for in-home learning, uh, teaching, as as well as uh, shopping during this holiday week weekend this time of giving thanks we could ask you you know what's what's the big deals and, and where where is everybody going to spend their money and what should you buy but that's going to take like 20 minutes to, to go through the list right so is there anything <laughs> that isn't normally discounted that is caught you right that is taking a discount or is there anything that's just such a good price that this is what people should probably go after uh we, we're seeing the uh, legacy apple products uh finally discounted a bit uh for the first time uh, we're seeing uh, big screen TVs, uh, uh, Costco, the mass volume retailers of uh, all uh, leading brands uh, being discounted. It's be- best year uh, for big screen TVs and uh, the traditional uh, board games from Hasbro and Mattel, uh, uh, from Monopoly and, and even uh, uh, Barbie and the action figures. Uh, but, the, but the big deal uh, this year is uh, Legos for kids because there are no blockbuster movies uh, for licensed products for children to buy, to buy uh, 2019 during Black Friday weekend. Star Wars was big. Uh, Frozen 2 was very big. None of those things will be there. So we're moving to more traditional toys. And then people, interestingly, will be spending more on his or her pet uh, and uh, pet, to- pet toys and, and treats uh, this time. And some people will be spending more on their pets uh, than they'll be spending on himself or herself or family yeah. and friends. You know, I, I have a good idea because, Mike, you're really good at doing stuff online. Yeah. For, so for people who aren't, they could, like, put their shopping orders <laughs> just, through you. Just contract through me. And you, can, and you could do it. <laughs> You'd be happy I'll, to I'll do take that. i 5%. Percent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bert Flickinger, Retail Analyst, Managing Director, Strategic Resource Group. Bert, thanks. If you're planning to visit sunny Southern California, where we happen to be, be prepared to self-quarantine, or at least say that you are going to self-quarantine. <laughs> We've given it away. Yeah, because starting tomorrow, Los Angeles, international airport officials will start requiring all travelers coming into the City of Angels to sign a form acknowledging the California government's recommendation to self-quarantine for 14 days. Union Station, that's the main railway station in L.A. is also implementing the same policy. Anyone over the age of 16 must fill out the form with the name and contact information. Now, what if you don't want to sign? Refusing to comply could get you a fine of up to $500. You can find us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. A break for us for Thanksgiving. We hope whatever you're doing, that you stay safe. Thank you.